Hi everyone, and this is Chris Pell, and welcome to the IELTS VIP podcast. So today, what we're going to look at in this episode, we're going to look at fossilization, fossilized errors. This has a huge impact on your IELTS score, and it's very, very insidious because you might have no idea that you're making these errors, and you think you're doing a really, really good job, but in fact, you keep making errors consistently. And this could be gram grammatical errors, it could be pronunciation errors, or it could be vocabulary errors. And this is often the reason why you'll hear a lot of students saying, I did a really amazing job on my speaking test, or I wrote a really good essay, or a really good task one report, and I have no idea why I got a low score. Often it's because of these fossilized errors, and the, the thing about them is, you've no idea that you're making them. So we're going to look at what they are, and there's many different areas of this. We're going to look at why people make them, and then we're going to give you a technique to help you raise your awareness about your particular fossilized errors, and also show you how to fix them so that you can improve your scores. So what are they? So there's many different areas of this. So the first area, area is when you know you're wrong, you know that you're making a mistake, but you keep making it. So this could be a pronunciation error or a grammar error, and you just keep making this mistake. And every time you make the mistake, you are aware that it's a mistake, but no matter what you do, you keep making this mistake. Another area could be where it becomes a habit and making this mistake is just habitual, and you're completely unaware that you are actually making this mistake. And you just keep doing it over and over and over again. And the more that you repeat that mistake, the more it sounds to you like it's correct because it becomes a habit. And this is probably the most frustrating um, area for students because you just have no idea that you're making these mistakes and you think that you know your, ac your accuracy is really good and your pronunciation is really good and your vocabulary is excellent. And then you go and do the test and you get like a 6 or 6.5 or lower than you were expecting. Um, it's because you're making these fossilized errors. It could also be uh, that you just learned the language the, the wrong way. I put wrong in, in quotation marks there because there's no real wrong way of learning or, or there's no correct way of speaking English. But it could be that you are surrounded by people who are making these same errors and you've learned English by you know, basically copying them or being surrounded by them. And this is often the case with Filipino students who I work with uh, because their fluency is excellent, their pronunciation is excellent, their range of vocabulary is normally amazing. But because there is like a Filipino version of English, often they have learned English from, it could be their teacher, or it could be just people surrounding them making these little grammatical errors. And because they've learned it in that way, they think that's totally fine. Um, and that's why they make these fossilized errors. Another area could be an error you can correct or you can you can get this part right when you're really 100% focused. So maybe when you're thinking about that area of grammar or thinking about that, that pronunciation feature, it's no problem, but when you're relaxed and you're not really thinking about it, you make this mistake over and over again. And the last area is called L1 interference. This is really related to your mother tongue, your first language. Often, 
your first language will be very, very different from the English language, or there will be a feature of your mother tongue that will be extremely different from English. So, for example, this could be uh, a pronunciation error. Um, so, for example, Spanish speakers often have a problem with the, so that instead of the, they'll use the, the, the sound b. So instead of video, they'll say video. Uh, German speakers, there's L1 interference when it comes to the and w, so they'll often say video instead of video. When it comes to grammar, you'll often have Russian speakers who have a problem with articles because Russian doesn't have any articles. So you'll often get uh, Russian speakers saying things like, I I will go to shop instead of I will go to the shop. They'll just drop out the article completely because it's not in their native language. And every single language has something like this. Um, so there's many different reasons um, about why you could have these fossilized errors. But let's look at a little bit more detail um, about why people have a problem overcoming this, why people have a problem fixing these errors. So number one, uh, L1 interference, we've already talked about that. And, and let's look at a, a practical example um, from a Vietnamese um, students. When I used to teach in, in Vietnam, uh, I noticed that a lot of students would have a problem with two particular sounds of English. One would be th, like Thursday, and one would be the, like, like the, th and the. And I figured out that uh, when students had a problem with these two sounds because the, in their native language, in Vietnamese, you never put your tongue between your teeth like this. So try and make the and the without putting your tongue between your teeth. It'll sound like t and de. So that's why they had a problem, not because they weren't good at the language. It's because in their native language, in Vietnamese, they're L1. They just never made this shape with their mouth and their tongue. So L1 interference, it can be grammatical, it can be, uh, it can be uh, pronun a pronunciation feature, but it's very, very easy to figure out what these are because every country has common L1 interference. So you can do this by just Googling like wherever you're from and put in L1 interference or common linguistic errors or common English errors or something like that and you'll be able to find on Google and, and you, you know you can then fix that error because you become aware of it. Another reason why is just a lack of feedback. If you go into most um, English classes, the one area that is normally lacking is feedback. Uh, so normally teachers are really good at presenting the language and giving practice opportunities and allowing people to produce the language. Um, and only a tiny percentage of the time they spend with students is actually spent giving direct feedback. Now, there's many reasons for this. Uh, one of the main reasons is you know, a lot of teachers feel uncomfortable about giving feedback um, and they want it, you know, the, 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 the classroom to be as light and the atmosphere to be as good as possible. And when you're criticizing someone, no one likes to be criticized, let's face it. So that's one reason. Another reason is they just don't have time at the end of the, of the, um, of the class. And another reason could be feedback is just not emphasized as much as the other parts of, you know, presenting and practice and producing. So if you don't get feedback on these fossilized errors, then you're not going to be aware that you're making them and you're going to keep on making them. Another reason could be just poor teaching. Um, 
you know, 90% of, of teachers are great. And most teachers are really know what they're doing, really care about their job. Um, but there will always be a percentage of, of teachers who go into the profession teaching English or, or especially teaching IELTS that don't really uh, know what they're doing yet. Um, and if you're surrounded by these teachers who don't really are, te are not teaching you effectively, then you're going to pick up bad habits, um, especially if you're not getting feedback on your mistakes. So that could be another reason. Um, a, a, a reason that um, is really, really common is it just doesn't affect communication. So let's think about prepositions or articles, for example. If you don't know how to use prepositions or articles, does it really affect your ability to communicate with people? Not really. So strictly, your English isn't that accurate, but you could move to London tomorrow and get a job as a, a doctor or a nurse and all your prepositions and, um, and articles could be wrong and you know, people would still understand you you might not be as precise and as accurate as you should be, but you wouldn't really have a big, big problem um, in, in terms of communication. So people don't really tend to emphasize things that are not related to communication. Uh, things like pronunciation does affect communication a lot. Vocabulary can affect communication a lot, but small grammar errors um, often don't affect communication that much. So people don't prioritize those areas and they don't really worry about those areas. And then it becomes a habit of making that mistake and then you get these fossilized errors. The second last uh, reason why people have uh, these fossilized errors and why they might not have a a, um, a, a good grasp on how to how to fix them is, and this is probably the most important one, a lack of motivation. Um, not being motivated enough to work on these small areas of grammar or these small areas of pronunciation. They're difficult, they take time, um, they can be tedious, you have to put a lot of work in, and people don't generally like to do that. And when you combine this with the fact that people don't think it's that important to have you know, for all your prepositions and your articles and your verb subject agreement and your countable, uncountable nouns. It's not 100% um, important for your communication, plus a lack of motivation often means that people don't really give it enough attention. And then what happens is they go and do a test, a standardized test like the IELTS test, where, you know, you do need to be accurate in all areas. Uh, then they get into trouble. And and you'll often get this with people who say things like, oh, I did a master's degree in an English-speaking country and I still couldn't get a band seven. It's like, yeah, because you have all of these fossilized errors. No one really told you about these when you were doing your master's um, because no one likes to say, hey, your your pronunciation is terrible or you're, you, know, you keep making this mistake. No one really wants to do that, but you keep doing it. Um, or you could have been living in an English-speaking country for many, many years, and then you need to do the IELTS test for some reason. You're moving to a different job or getting a different visa, um, or you know you, you need to renew your test, and you fail. And you think, oh, this this test is fixed. This test is a fraud. It's like no, you just have you're making these mistakes over and over and over again. And either you don't think that they're that important, or you're completely unaware of them. And the last reason is just a lack of discovery, a lack of awareness of about these and why you should uh, um, uh, consider them to be important, and um, actually what they are. 
So what I'm going to do now is give you just a very, very simple technique to help raise your awareness, number one, because that's the first step. And then once you're, you've raised your awareness, um, then you can work on fixing it. And it's just, and I'm going to combine it with improving your, um, your IELTS skills um, and combine it with IELTS practice. So what I do with my students who have these errors is get them to download or go onto Google and look up a full IELTS speaking test. And you can do this with a partner, but you can do it without a partner. It's probably easier, actually, without a partner. And get your mobile phone. So everyone watching this probably has access to a mobile phone. Download some sort of app that allows you to record your voice. Look at each question and answer each question like you are in a an IELTS speaking test. So that's going to take you, you know, about 10, 15 minutes to get through it all. Press the, the record button um, to stop the recording and then listen back to it. And I guarantee that you will, it, for, especially if it's the first time you've ever listened to your own voice, you will pick up on so many different pronunciation errors, grammatical errors, vocabulary errors. Most students are like, oh my God, I, I had no idea I was making that number of errors. I had no idea that I sounded like that. So that's the first stage of raising your awareness. And the next stage is actually noting down those particular mistakes. There's two ways you can do that. You can do this with a pen and a piece of paper and just note down the, the, the minute and the, the seconds, the timestamp, and write down the actual error. This is going to start to disrupt your brain a little bit because as I said, many of you, this is just a habit and habits are very deep. It's really difficult to break a habit, when it, and especially when it comes to a linguistic habit. So you need to, to really force your brain to think about this error, and writing it down really, really helps. You can do this with a piece of paper and correct the mistake on the piece of paper, or you can use something like SoundCloud, where you can upload your recording to SoundCloud, and you can click on the part of, uh, of the recording and just type in the error and type in the correction. One of my students told me about this um, a few months ago, and it really, really helped them because they were able to go back and look at their old mistakes, and then they were able to uh, uh, look at how much improvement they have made. So the next part is identifying what your common errors are. So this could be pronunciation, this could be grammar, and really work on those common errors. So let's say you're a Russian speaker and you figure out you just don't use uh, uh, articles at all. You need to read up on the rules of artic articles, so be a become aware of those mistakes and what the rules are then practice it, and then produce that language, and then you're going to improve. And then maybe a week later, uh, two weeks later, a month later, you can look at the same questions again and record yourself again, or do a different test and record yourself again, and then you'll be able to see improvement. If you have been working on those areas, you will notice improvement, and then you'll start to pick up on other areas that you might make. I would focus solely on your your the most pressing issues first, so the biggest mistakes, the most common mistakes first, and then you can start to figure out the little smaller mistakes. You're just refining and refining and refining. So number one, raise your awareness. Number two, focus on 
the, the most pressing issues, the biggest mistakes, the most common mistakes. Number three, work on those mistakes. And number four, do it again and see the improvements. Uh, and then you'll become aware of what's happening and you'll be able to fix those things. So <clears throat> sorry that I have a cold today um, and we have to edit the, the coughing out and everything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, better than not doing anything. Um, thank you very much, guys. I hope that um, that really raises your awareness about <clears throat> excuse me, fossilization, fossilized errors. And as always, if you do nothing, you're not going to improve. Please at least record yourself doing one test and you will be amazed about the number of mistakes that you're making and then you're on the road to improvement. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye.